Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet at WFPR.FM, and in the local Franklin Mass FM radio dial in the car at home, 102.9. Here today, it's a Thursday. There was a council meeting last night, also kind of one of the longer ones, but thanks to our town council chair, we get to do a town council quarterbacking session so we condense it for the listeners. Tom, good morning. Happy Thursday. Hey, good morning, Steve, and happy Thursday to you. Uh, and as you alluded to, it was uh, one of our longer meetings. Uh, not the longest, but one no. of the longer. But, uh, you know, uh, we spoke to it uh, just prior to coming uh, online here uh, that there is a lot of business that needs to get accomplished. And you know, we meet twice a month and, you know, uh, we do our best to try and keep the uh, time frames our best guess, because you never know, know how long a particular discussion is going to last. Uh, but we try to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, you get to a point where it's too long and then uh, you're not doing anybody any justice so uh, uh, but there is a lot of business to get accomplished and uh, we need to continue to move forward and keep going that's as uh, we discussed that's kind of why we volunteered Uh, we understood what needed to be done uh, and we understand what needs to be done and if it takes additional meetings to get that done then we need to do that yeah, and certainly the last time, and we haven't specifically done a recorder backing on the budget, but we'll get to that. But um, the the budget hearings clearly are a unique occurrence. They happen once a year. It's spread over two nights. And yeah, those were longer sessions perhaps than you would have liked, some of us would have liked. But to the importance of the budget, the budget is what we effectively funds what we're going to do. We yeah. can talk about everything else, but unless we put the money to it and then determine, okay, this or that, because there are hard choices. There is no easy way to do that. Um, Most important job we have, as I allude to every time we get to it, uh, right. uh, the budget is our number one job. That affects everything else. And we'll get and into it because you still had to complete some of your budget work last night as well. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. So since we dove in for the listeners, thank you for listening. And effectively, we're kind of condensing last night's meeting, effectively looking to answer kind of the two key questions. Okay, what just happened? (laughs) And what does it mean for us, Franklin residents and taxpayers? So you started off with another good piece in terms of electric youth recognition. They're about to begin their tour. I think uh, she said two weeks from today, if I recall, they're, uh, they're flying to Europe. Yes. Uh, yeah, the electric youth group from the Franklin School for the Performing Arts is a group that's come in uh, pretty much annually because they do a three-week uh, tour of, uh, you know, there's a couple of different ones they do. Uh, this year is Europe and Austria. The years might be England, France, uh uh, Italy's always a part of it. Uh, mm-hmm. They always end up in Lake Como, uh, which isn't a bad place to end up. Uh, <laughs> uh, but they're over there for three weeks, and uh, uh, they truly are uh, uh, 
a great group of young people and uh, we'd love to give them the opportunity to uh, come before us, tell us what they're going to do and uh, they're great advocates uh, for our area and uh, it's great to have them come in. Yeah, certainly the artistic performance is a whole other level and they're here in franklin so yeah they get to go to europe uh france uh, italy austria or wherever they are specifically in this particular trip but they're also ambassadors not just for franklin but for the u.s and based upon what i've seen of them they're certainly very worthy ambassadors so kudos uh, to they, they, they truly are and they you know they're ambassadors for our youth they're ambassadors for uh franklin and our surrounding communities as well as the state and as well as america as they uh go through the different countries and having been fortunate enough to go on a few of these stores they are really very well received and do a great job uh, as ambassadors for uh, America's youth. Mm -hmm. And then as from that local aspect, it's, it's local. Obviously, the school is based here in Franklin. But as the, as the youth were introducing themselves last night, there's a few Franklin folks, but Hopkinton, Medway, Millis. I mean, we're yeah. drawing from the community, which is good for the school, too. Well, it, yeah, it's good for everything. Uh, and, and again, it's just another piece of the arts and culture that are thriving in Franklin. Arts happen here is the tagline yes. that uh, I help share for the cultural district. Absolutely. <laughs> and related to that, uh, you had the annual reappointment of boards and committees of which cultural council cultural district and i think coincidentally those are ones that still have some open positions so you did announce at least those that are renewing and or some new ones but there's still some spots open too yeah there there are still some spots open and uh people can go online and uh go to the franklin website and they can see uh the different committees that are uh, looking for some uh some involvement and if you're looking to volunteer please step forward call the town administrator's office uh let them know what you might be interested drop them an email uh you know we we still have a council on aging uh cultural district the design review uh cultural council historical commission and the affordable municipal affordable housing trust so there are committee there are vacancies open uh and i just anybody out there looking to get involved please uh get to the town administrator's office and uh um, put your name out there mm -hmm. and as uh jamie and we've discussed here as well uh jamie helen being a town administrator the application cap capability is online, so you can do it that way. Call the office, as you mentioned. Um, and if you don't get into this particular round, they tend to keep them for a year or so. And if there's something that's still in kind of the ballpark that you might be interested in, they'll reuse that as a kind of a bench to reach out if something else comes up along the way. So it may not just be this one. You may still have another opportunity later, but you've got to take that first step. So reach yes. out and let somebody know you're interested. Absolutely. 
then you get into uh, two separate public hearings, one relatively short, quick, because it's the formality of, you know, a corporate legal change that because you're the legal body of uh, local record for the ABCC laws, anytime there's a corporate change regarding one of the liquor license, you have to approve on it. But there's really not much more other than, OK, kind of a rubber stamp approval and send it back to the state. Absolutely. And these are just uh, things that we're required by uh, Mass General Law to do. Uh, and as are the uh, uh, the different businesses, uh, especially when it comes to uh, common victuals, licenses, and so forth. Uh, it's every time people change, managers change, or uh, the hierarchy changes, they're required by law to file the necessary paperwork with not only the town, but the state. And we have to, in fact, vote on that every time uh, again, according to Mass General Law. So uh, it's kind of the some of the housekeeping things that we have to continue to do. And last night we did uh, we did have one for uh, Liquor World that we had to do. And just before we move on a second, Steve, uh, and I know we talked about appointments, but uh, just like to take an extra second, talk about the Davis there. Uh, Ooh, that's right. Yes. No, I, that was part of the separate set of appointments. And I apologize. I didn't skip over exactly. that. <laughs> uh, but we did uh, name the Davis there building reuse advisory committee uh, last night and they will start meeting immediately and uh they will have public sessions where people can come and listen or come and uh, express their uh thoughts as to what we might do with davis there and we've charged this committee and we've given them a a, a difficult charge uh we've asked them to come back by december 30th uh with uh at least an option or two as to what uh makes sense for reuse of that building and again the committee will just make recommendations to the council ultimately it's a council decision as to what gets done uh with the building but it's going to be interesting because i know there's a lot of community people that feel very strongly one way or another so uh Tune in, because uh, I think it's uh, Councillor Pellegri is the chair of that uh, reuse committee. And uh, I'm sure the uh, postings of the meetings will be out shortly. And again, please come participate. Uh, give your opinion, because now's the time uh, to do that. Indeed. And I think part of the discussion last night was, you know, don't wait till the 15th hour. Um, th this is clearly one of the key pieces. And yeah, the, clearly, as we've we even witnessed last night, some are more passionate than others. And that's OK. We respect the passions. but We have to listen to all the ideas and then kind of make sense of it. And that's what this committee is going to do to come back with, ideally, you know, maybe two recommendations, maybe three. And then depending upon what those recommendations are, the council will then decide, or maybe you'll end up picking it up as part of the police building station renovation piece, et cetera. So 
TBD, what's going to yeah. happen, but the time is now to certainly be involved, be aware, because awareness is one of the key pieces we've been talking about too. So yeah, skipping back over, we talked about the license piece, but then the second public hearing was a little bit more involved. There were three pieces of uh, zoning legislation. Uh, they come through the EDC plus committee because it was part of the Franklin for all piece. They went after a minor change by the council, they went off to the planning board. Planning board said, mm, we like these two, but not this one. Please go back to the original. So that fostered a, a healthy discussion last night. It, it, it was a healthy discussion. And uh, to uh, uh, just to build a little bit on our conversation before we came online today, uh, zoning is very difficult and there's many parts and pieces and uh, I am certainly uh, will sit here and tell you I know something about zoning. Do mm -hmm. I know everything about zoning? Absolutely not. No, and not <laughs> it is very, it's very difficult and is an awful lot of parts and pieces to every zoning uh, bylaw that we have. So there was a very good, healthy discussion uh, about this. And and basically the uh, the entire discussion, all, all three of the bylaws are related to accessory dwelling units. Uh, so um, we, EDC and the Franklin Burrell, uh group, which was the extended EDC group, uh, put a lot of work into this uh, and came and brought to the council uh, three weeks, I don't know, two meetings ago, one or two meetings ago, a uh, their recommendations. The council looked at it, and as you alluded to, uh, there was one amendment that the council uh, made uh, to what was recommended by the EDC Extended Committee. So what we did two meetings ago was uh, the first part of how a, a bylaw goes, gets through. There are two public hearings on it. And basically, first, you ref we refer it to the planning board for their recommendations. They review and then come back and tell us what their thoughts are. And then we go through a first reading. And then the second reading is when it becomes uh, law, so to speak. So we referred it to the planning board. And the planning board didn't like the amendment to the one piece that uh, the council did prior to sending it to the planning board. Uh, so they came back uh, suggesting or recommending that we go back to the original uh, recommendations from the EDC extended committee. And again, uh, there were differing opinions even at that level. Uh, so uh, none of this has been unanimous anywhere along al along the way because there is uh, so much to it. 
And uh, Steve, both you and I uh, were sitting there last night and we discussed offline how uh, there were even there was even new information or new to me, new to you, sure. uh, and I think new to a lot of people yep. that came out of last night's conversation, which is a good thing because it, it you know it educates us even more. So hearing a lot of these things, there's continuing to be more work that needs to be done. Uh, and I get that. And I know we have a, a few counselors that feel very strongly that we should be making this process easier as we move forward. And uh, and that's it. And that's a good thing. And I don't disagree. We should be making it easier uh, as we move forward. But at the same time, it's important to make sure you're covering every aspect of the uh, of what you're trying to accomplish. So by by voting the three that we did last night in the original state that was recommended by the extended EDC committee, is it a giant step forward? Maybe not a giant step forward, but it's certainly baby steps forward and continuing. To, and we can adjust these as we move forward. And, and I think there was a lot of good discussion about, well, let's see how the next six months or the next year looks and let's see what is happening. And can we go take that next step and make in some of the zones, um, make these ADUs uh, by right versus uh, having to go by special permit through the Zoning Board of Appeals? Um, so there's a lot of discussion still to come. Uh, last night, we moved the bylaws to uh, a second reading. As uh, further amended. That's right, as further amended. Uh, and basically, further amended meaning uh, it was Going amended. Back to the back, original. Back to the original. So, yeah. uh, uh, so anyway, uh, there'll be one more um, uh, public hearing uh, when this comes back for the second uh, hearing on it. And then we will vote it and uh, it will become law, so to speak. Uh, but it was really good, healthy discussion uh, and a lot of differing opinions. And as I alluded to, some new information, some different pieces that, you know, one of, one of my concerns and I, I was one that supported going back to the uh, recommendations from the EDC Extended Committee because um, I just have a, a, a large concern about giving it by right. If it was by right, the neighbors wouldn't necessarily be notified. Uh, whereas if it's a special permit, uh, it's required by law that the neighbors be notified and at least have an opportunity to speak. Now, is there a way to put that piece in uh, and give it by right? There probably is. Uh, but let's think about that and figure out how we do that, because 
I do believe the neighbors should have, uh, if an accessory dwelling's being put in next door to me, I would certainly want to write to ask some questions yep. uh, or have an opportunity to ask some questions. So uh, that was one of one of the bigger reasons why I felt uh, I wanted to go back to the original uh, recommendation from the EDC. Yeah, and I agree on a couple of points I'll add to that. Um, I think you would agree with this, we'll certainly discuss, but while I've followed this process, it clearly is complex, no question about it. The nature of the process itself is complex. We had three pieces of zoning legislation and that's the way the zoning bylaws are set. You've got kind of the bylaw itself, you've got a definition, and then the use table. So two of the three pieces were fine, the bylaw and the de definition. The use table is where the rubber met the road in terms of, and the analogy I just came up with, because I'm trying to make sense of it, is like, okay, you know, it's easy enough to play kind of a game of chess, right? Chess mm -hmm. is somewhat complex, but at least you know the rules. If you try to play that multi-tier kind of three-dimensional chess, that becomes a heck of a lot more comp complex, right? <laughs> now you got the moves and going, which, oh, really? And that's one of the things I think that happened. The use of the terms by right, certainly to some people, it means it's an easier process. But there are implications that even as we were finding out last night, well, if you say this and then the phrasing here refers to that, you need to take that into account. And people, unfortunately, had not been fully aware of some of those other implications. To your point, then. I agree the amendment was a friendly one initially. We intended to do something, and then we're finding out, um, maybe that's not the best way to go. So, yeah, I'll come back to, I think we all, the community, and planning department certainly can help us with the other zoning experts. That process of zoning needs to be better understood in terms of not, not just the process, but the implications of the details. Right. So even I think Councilor Frangelo was asking for a clarification on a point, and the clarification was not a one word answer. <laughs> exactly. Which exactly. is why he was asking for a clarification, because right. it is complex. But it, 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 overall, I think we're making great progress. Um, and yet, while it was, quote, I, I would disagree only to that point because it was relatively significant in regards to the, at least the accessory dwelling is now going to be available to somebody who's not a family member. Right. That's significant. Right. And yeah. we didn't get everything. Okay. Yeah. But we've got some time. We can still make some changes. So let's figure it out. Exactly. The one good takeaway as well is I think as much as there were some difference of opinions, people agreed in, there was a consensus in terms of making some changes and going forward to work through the issue because it ultimately affects our housing stock and ultimately affects our affordability. Nobody denies that. Everybody wants to work to that. The real question is exactly how do we do that? And that's yeah. that, that the details are just going to have to work and they're going to take some more time, but so be it. And then, of course, the budget. And as much as you spent, what was it, nine hours over two nights a couple of weeks ago, you still had some minor adjustments because, oh, by the way, Plan B came back into play or came into play to yeah. try and uh, give some additional funding to the schools. So last night, technically, 
you took those additional actions. And while I think Jamie alluded to, you know, may be able to happen in July, August, because of some other state moves, we were able to make some of that move earlier, which will help the schools earlier. Absolutely. And back during the during the public hearings on the budgets, Jamie did allude to and during the finance committee uh, hearings, Jamie alluded to having a plan B, which basically uh, would allow us to give additional dollars to the schools that would amount to a similar increase of dollars that we've been able to give over the last four to six years, which roughly two and a half percent in additional uh, monies from the prior year. And this pretty much uh, allows us to, or gets us to that point. And uh, a few of these things we were aware of, which is why Jamie alluded to a plan B, thought we'd be able to do it in August or September. And just because of the way things flowed and uh, the town administrator and I discussed uh, maybe trying to do it sooner if we possibly could. And just the way it worked, it allowed us uh, to move it up uh, a lot further. Uh, and. You know, we, during the budget process, thought we might be able to get it into July. We're able to get back into June just because of the way uh, uh, the MEC piece worked. And so basically what we did was we uh, uh, removed some money from the town council budget, from the town administrator's budget, from facilities, from police, from fire, from regional dispatch, snow and ice street lighting uh uh but these were all monies it's not affecting truly affecting those budgets from a personnel standpoint and that was a concern of uh somebody in the audience last last evening it has no effect on personnel at the police and or fire it's more uh, from a capital's uh, standpoint. So, um, so it was all good. You know, I think this gives the schools the opportunity to uh, uh, take another look at some of the uh, adjustments that they had made, some of the pink slips that were put out. And I think you alluded to, Steve, last night, uh, you were in uh, listened or were there during the school committee's uh, discussion regarding uh, these additional dollars that will be coming in. And maybe you want to speak to that uh, as you were part of that conversation. Yeah, to explain a little bit more about the uh, where I stood up last night as well, but the school committee budget subcommittee met um, as they have been kind of uh, uh, moving along the process, finding out that they were only getting the 1.1 million versus their 3.4 that they had asked for. They've been preparing. They weren't waiting till at the end, preparing to make some adjustments. And then when they heard they were getting the extra 700,000, and I think it ended up at 736, um, they had been working towards that. So 
Yeah, uh, and it was mentioned that there were, originally it was gonna be 30 positions cut. The additional 700K rounded uh, for conversation's sake, uh, saves eight of those positions, leaving 22 to be cut. The key point I wanted to add that some people weren't aware because they hadn't been at the meeting, my audio just came out, they hadn't caught up to it yet. Most of those 22 positions were gonna be cut anyway, aside from the budget simply because the schools were continuing to adjust their own budget due to the declining enrollment that we've talked of is continuing to happen. We graduated, what, 400 graduates? The ninth yes. grade coming in is going to be 300-something. We're losing about 100 a year. They've been, to their credit, making those adjustments as they go. And then what they've been doing, and you can listen to the details in the recording, as even from some of their plans initially, they've been tweaking things a little bit because, oh, by the way, kindergarten enrollment is increasing and registrations are at a point now that they were juggling within what their scope was in order to balance and provide, you know, as much support within kind of the school uh, guidelines around class size, et cetera. So mm -hmm. as you sat in the chair before, you know the, some of the details that are around that. Um, they've been working through those details so people can get at least a preview of what will come at the school committee meeting next week. Things may still change in the couple of days beforehand, but. Absolutely. And one of the things that came out or that comes out when we have these discussions, uh, the counselor, all of the counselors have been receiving emails on a regular basis about music program getting cut. Uh, music teachers getting cut, arts getting cut, and all of these different things. And what we try to emphasize is we don't have that control of the school committee budget. It's something, you know, a lot of people have heard us say on a regular basis, but for the new listeners that may not be aware, we do not have control as to how the school committee spends their dollars. Mm -hmm. We yeah. do have control of the bottom line. You give them one fund, one dollar amount. We give them one dollar amount and they spend it as they wish. So if you have a concern about a program or uh, a teacher uh, or a specific teacher or a specific program, you should be going to the school committee and having and asking these questions there. Why is that being cut? If it's a budgetary cut, then it's a dollar situation, then maybe. Uh, but a lot of the emails that came in was saying, put back the teacher, put back the music. Even though we're, we voted last evening to give them seven, another 736,000, that doesn't guarantee that that music teacher or that music program or that uh, athletic piece, mm -hmm. uh, freshman football, whatever the case may be. Right. Doesn't mean that those are going back in. Right. Those are school committee decisions. Now that that money's been appropriated to them, now the school committee will look. And I would just say to our listeners, tune into the next school committee meeting, because then you will find out how those dollars are going to be spent. Yeah, and it's, it's specific in regards to programs versus teachers. And I know, Luke, uh, Superintendent Jaguar, and even at the recording, they were emphasizing they're not making significant program cuts. They're making adjustments within it because they want to keep the program 
So for example, in that music case, I believe it's a middle school level, they still are going to have two middle school music teachers. But because of the contract positions and the budget cuts because of the enrollment, there was teacher opportunity within the contract to bump. So that one individual, because she was not professional teacher status, yeah. is in fact losing her position. But the position itself is still going to be delivered, but by somebody else next year. Yeah. So exactly. you don't have control over that. The school committee, to a certain extent, doesn't have control over that because that's exactly. within the union itself. Some of that, some of that is uh, union directed. Yeah, complex, but the bottom line, you know, stay engaged, stay informed, uh, be aware of what's going on. There is a lot going on, but it's all good mostly. And uh, obviously it gives us opportunities that, you know, we still need to improve things. As we've talked before, we do have a systemic budget issue. We're going to have to address it at some point in time. Now it seems like we're getting some additional folks coming to the table that want to do that. So yay. About yeah, time. And that's a really good thing. And just to that point, Steve, and I'll do it. I'll say it very quickly. Uh, you know, we, we talked at the budget hearings as uh, we needed to look out and forecast over the next three to five years, school, uh, school administration needs to do it. The town uh, administration needs to do it and bring those to bring that forecast together. And uh, we've reconvened the joint budget subcommittee, which is school committee, finance committee, uh, town council. Uh, and we tentatively have a meeting scheduled for five o'clock on uh, July 26th. And that will be firmed up. But I just say to our listeners, please come listen, uh, get a better understanding of the budget constraints that we're under as we move forward and how we need to deal with it and what the process is uh, for us to make the very difficult decisions that are going to need to be made over the next one, two, maybe three years. Yeah, and I'll reemphasize the process point because there are certain things that the town respectfully cannot do. And certainly Jamie has been good about mentioning that. I know Superintendent Jaguer as well. Town employees cannot use town site, town locations, town funds to advocate for something like a tax increase. Certainly the volunteers like you and the school committee, you can, but within reason, there are still <laughs> yeah. Office of Campaign and Finance, uh, political finance rules around that. That'll be part of the discussion to make sure oh, what can you do and what can't you do? Absolutely. We can provide information, which we're more than happy to do. And at any time, if any, uh, if there was some uh, resident that got a group together and wanted to discuss uh, this just give us give us a call. Give me a call. I'll be more than happy to come anytime mm -hmm. and have these discussions with uh, groups of people. It's the same kind of thing we did when uh, the school, uh, the high school was done and all of our debt exclusions. When when those were done, uh, past, yeah. you go out into the community and you provide information. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking for help because clearly, as I mentioned last night, I started doing what I'm doing here <laughs> in 2006 because it mattered and I'm still doing it. And some of the things really haven't changed, but at least now more people are getting involved, which is good. Maybe we can make some things happen. So absolutely. I thank you for your time today. Thank you for sharing this. Hopefully the listeners and residents will appreciate that and get involved because that's going to be the key piece. And certainly we do this as I've always said, because Franklin mm -hmm. matters. 
We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.